0: I want to express my appreciation for all of you being present, along with what Brian has already stated. We want to thank those that helped shovel snow off the sidewalks and prepare for our service this morning, even with the inclement weather. We have a good-sized crowd here. We have some that are not normally with us. We want you to know that you encourage us with your presence here this morning. Diane and I just returned from being involved in an evangelistic effort in Belize. I wanted to let all of you know that that work continues to take steps forward, both growing numerically and spiritually. We were able to work with the congregation at Orange Walk, which is our northern congregation in Belize. We had 44 present last Sunday for the worship service. Also, the men of the congregation there have been working through a teacher training process over the last 12 weeks. We've had uh, five that's participated in that, and one of the men will be presenting a sermon before the congregation next Sunday. So we're excited for the continued opportunities there in Belize. We're thankful for your prayers along those lines, for your financial support, for your encouraging words. And above all, we're thankful to God and give Him all glory. This morning for our subject, we want to deal with a small four-letter word, S-E-L-F, self. Even though this is a small word, it has the greatest of impact in our relationship, not only with our God, but also with our fellow man. We are inundated with all types of attitudes that come from the world about how we deal with self, our perspective on self. In fact, we have a self-love mantra that is promoted in our schools, in our mental health movement in this country. And we have so much that's against Scripture about how we need to look at self, our perspective, and how we deal with self. And you know, every one of us has to make up our mind how we're going to look at ourselves, the perspective that we're going to have. Are we going to take a carnal perspective, or are we going to try to look at ourselves and see ourselves the same way God sees us? That should be our goal, to be objective and to be able to look at ourselves the same way God sees us. I want to call your attention to 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, "...this know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, trucebreakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good." traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Paul warns Timothy that that perilous times will be characterized by these evil attitudes and evil actions. He says this is going to occur in the last days. And I want you to know this morning, in a biblical sense, we are living in the last days. We are also living in perilous times. If we're aware of what the world promotes, if we're aware of the attitudes of our culture, we live in perilous times. And these times are marked by many of these evils that we read here. There's 20 listed. You know, the Bible in various places... Romans 1, Galatians 5, here in 2 Timothy 3, has a list of evil attitudes and works. And this is one of those extensive lists. But I want you to notice on this list that the very first thing listed is men will be lovers of their own selves. So I ask you this morning, is it appropriate for us to love self? Is this idea that we have to high, have a high opinion of ourself to be mentally healthy? Is that idea valid? Is that idea from God's Word? This word love here is the Greek "philos," which means emotional or friendship kind of love. This means that people are fond of themselves. They like themselves. Sometimes we use the word self-esteem, And when we say that word, people have different ideas about what that means. The shame is that it's not only the Oprah's of this world who preach this self-love gospel, but there are many Christian-based ministries that also teach this. And don't get me wrong, it's very important that we have a healthy self-image. But our self-image should not be connected to how good we look, How smart we are, how talented we are, the things that we might have acquired in this life, these things are irrelevant when we look objectively at ourselves and deal with ourselves properly. A healthy self-image is not the one that is so often promoted in our world around us. God created humanity. He placed within us an eternal component. We have intrinsic value because God put that value in us. It's not from ourselves. It's not because we are something great, but it is because of what God has done for us. And we need to be self-aware and understand that this is the proper perspective if we're going to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. I want to call your attention to verse 5 After he lists these evil works, he says, "...having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof." How many religious people who say, Lord, Lord, have a form of godliness? It's something that looks like godliness, but they don't have the real power thereof. It's because they're not dealing with themselves properly. They don't have the right attitude, and they're looking to advance themselves and their agendas, and to promote themselves and their ideas, even when it comes to serving God. Every one of us have this temptation, because we're in the flesh, and Satan is a master at causing us to look at self. What are all the voices saying around us? You need to take care of number one, and if you don't do that, who will? You deserve it. You need to to do what you want to do because God wants you to be happy. These are the messages that we have regarding the attitude of self. Again, a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. I want you to understand the way that we view self and deal with self will either help us to be successful in being a disciple of Christ, or it will be a great obstacle in our way of being a true disciple. We know the process. We've heard it over and over again. Jesus said if we're going to come after Him, we have to deny self, take up His cross, and follow Him. We have to do it in that order. We cannot take up the cross of Christ and follow Him until we deny ourselves. We try to hold on to self. We try to do what we want to do and also embrace what God has asked us to do. Embrace being a disciple of Christ. And we only have a form of godliness. We're denying the real power of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. There is very little of self in Christianity. But notice, there's a very large self in the human way of looking things, at, in the carnal mind, we look very huge in our own eyes. The reality is, self has a very, very small place in the life of a disciple. In Galatians chapter 2 verse number 20, Paul said, "I am crucified with Christ; nevertheless I live; yet not I, but Christ liveth in me: and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me." Do you want to think about a true perspective to see ourselves as God sees us and our attitude about what our own wants and desires should be? Paul states it here. There's a great contrast here about the way he uses I, this personal pronoun. He uses this word, but he diminishes himself. He says, it's not me that's living, but it is Christ that lives within me. And by faith, I allow Christ to be the Lord of my life, the director of my path. This is the true goal that we should have as we consider the right perspective having a a honest, objective way of looking at ourselves. We need to open God's Word and study it. James described it as a mirror. What do we do with a mirror? The perfect law of liberty shows us exactly the way God is going to see us in our lives, in our religious activities, the way that we leave examples and teach others, God wants us to direct everything that we do with this mirror. And if we are honest, we'll look in the mirror, we'll see the flaws that are there, and we will make the proper adjustments. We're going to look this morning at three different wrong ways to consider self That is self-righteous, self-willed, and self-centered. And then we want to look at three ways that we should deal with self that will be compliant with what we have taught this morning about being a true disciple of Jesus Christ. The first of these is self-righteousness. This means that we have a wrong opinion of ourselves, that we are righteous in our own eyes, that we're lifting our own value and our own abilities higher than what they really are. This is an extreme temptation, because pride is one of the main issues that Satan uses to get into our hearts, and to get into our minds, and to cause us to not think of ourselves properly. If we allow this attitude of conceit, and self-righteousness and self-centeredness to develop with with regard to spiritual issues, it will be the foundational problem of many things in our life. How we deal with self is a very simple concept. It's very foundational, but it, it affects everything that we do. Every attitude that we have whether that be an attitude toward God, an attitude toward others, an attitude about what God has asked us to do. You see, we have to get this part right first. And if we can't get this part right, then it distorts the way that we see other things, the way that we understand the world around us. Our worldview, if if you want to use that term, is affected by the way that we view ourselves. And how many of us have been tempted and caused to let pride rise up and to be an obstacle in the, the consideration of who we need to be spiritually to be a vessel meet for the Master's use. We talk about ego sometimes, and the fact that this gets in the way of working together within the kingdom of God working together within the body of Christ. Again, an improper way to look at ourselves. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in verse number 12, Paul said, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Solomon said pride comes before the fall. This is a way of Satan making us vulnerable, allowing us to look at ourselves in a self-righteous way, we begin to trust in ourselves rather than trusting in God, that automatically causes us to begin to look down on other people that are around us. The Pharisees of the first century were very guilty of having an improper perspective of self. We read in Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 9, "...and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous, and they despised others. Here we go. We're going to compare ourselves among ourselves. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Paul said, It is very unwise to compare yourselves among yourselves. And we're going to notice several examples of that. This is the lead one. The Pharisees lifted themselves up. They trusted that they were righteous, and they began to compare what... They felt like their level was with God to other people, and the Bible says they despised others. And then we have the following teaching. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank Thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. You see, this man was praying not to God with gratitude and thanksgiving and humility. The Bible says he was praying with himself. Did you catch that? That what he was talking about was how good he was compared to these other people. And he begins the list of his righteous attributes, all the while being blind to himself being self-righteous and lifting himself above that that he should have. Continuing in verse 12, I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. He was pretty proud of himself, wasn't he? Then we turn to a person who had a right self-perspective, the, the publican. What did he say? And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God be merciful to me, A sinner every one of us are sinners when we've done all that we can do we've only done what it was was our duty to do we never should lift ourselves up by comparing to other people we need to compare ourselves with Christ who was perfect and then we will have the right mark to shoot for the right goal that we would have in our life Verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. The superiority complex will lead us to devalue others. It will cause problems in our relationships. It will hinder us in every way to grow and be what we should be spiritually. There is a fallacy when we begin to reason about how we measure up to other people, as we have just stated. It is very unwise to compare ourselves among ourselves. You know, it really doesn't matter if we are righteous in our own eyes. For that matter, even in other men's eyes, what matters is how do we appear to God. This Pharisee was totally blind to that. We have other examples. In Revelation 3, verse 17, Christ is addressing the church at Laodicea. And they thought they were rich and increased in goods, when in the reality they was poor, wretched, miserable. You see how blind Satan can cause us to be with pride and with self-righteousness? Just like this Pharisee, all he could see was how good he was, and the reality, God said the publican was the one that went home justified. Self-righteousness based on conceit and a false self-image will condemn every person that allows that to dominate their life. Number two, self-willed. Of course, these things are closely connected. If we're prideful, if we love ourselves, if we raise ourselves up compared to others, we're going to have a self-will. We're going to think that our way is always the best way. Whether that be in a judgment area, or whether that be in, in the realities of life, we're going to think that we are the one that knows best. And we have to be very careful. The Word teaches that we should submit one to, another, one to another rather than being self-will. I thought as Jared led his prayer this morning, he expressed these principles very well. If we're motivated by love, if we want to be a true disciple of Christ, then we're going to submit to others. We're not going to always have to have our way with everything. We often see spoiled kids. We call them brats because for whatever reason, in their environment, they're given everything they want. They throw a fit. They're given what they want based on that negative uh, activity. And we can see very readily what a problem that is. But there are people that are spiritually brats, spoiled brats. And they function in the same way that a child does physically in a spiritual sense, because they're self-willed. And this is taught against time after time after time as we look into God's Word. Galatians 2 verse 20 that we noted earlier about the fact that we crucify self, and we allow Christ to direct our lives. This was in the context of Judaizing teachers and disciples, that had been drawn into hypocrisy, serving their own will rather than God's will. Paul addressed Peter face to face about a self-righteous attitude that he demonstrated against the Gentiles because the Jews rested in the fact that they were Abraham's children and that made them somebody rather than thinking about Wanting to comply with God's will and being right with Him in, his, in God's way of seeing us because that is the way of reality. Our own self-perception is often, often distorted because we have these attitudes. And it leads us to places that we cannot go as a disciple of Christ. Remember the prayer that Christ modeled in Matthew chapter 6? He said, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This should be our utmost goal. Whatever we're doing to serve God, that should apply in our worship service. When we come here to worship God, is it about what we want? Is it about what entertains us? Is it about our will, our happiness? Or is it about coming here to do the will of God? Christ said in Matthew 7 verse 21, Not everyone that saith, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. Remember people who have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. We see a larger religious world today that is very... Adept at using the right rhetoric and saying the right things, using lip service to God, but when it comes to serving God, specifically worshiping God, they want to add to or take away from the simple plan that we have for worship in the Scripture. Are we dealing with self correctly when we follow our will rather than God's will? In Luke 22, verse 42, Christ Himself, the only begotten Son, saw that it was not about His will, but about the Father's. Christ did not want to give His life on the cross. His flesh told Him to pull away from that, and yet He submitted to the will of God. He was perfect in all of His ways. He should not have had to suffer or die for sin, he did that for you and I. And He said in Luke 22:42, 42, Remove this cup from Me, nevertheless not My will, but Thy will be done. We turn over to the book of Hebrews and we see that Christ learned obedience by submitting to the death of the cross. Christ modeled this to every detail in the life that He lived of example for us. Again, are we going to compare our lives to other people? Or are we going to compare our life to Christ? And shoot to follow the, the perfect example that He gave to us. Self-will is never appropriate when it comes to the Christian life and what God has asked us to do. We want to notice being self-centered. This goes back to what we were saying a lot about the message that we hear in the world about loving self. It comes down to, you know, I'm the one who needs to make decisions that will benefit me. God wants me to be happy, so everything's about me. Whatever happens in this world comes back to how it affects me, good or bad. A tunnel vision toward being self-absorbed. In reality, this term describes the root of so many of our struggles with following Jesus. You know, in Greek mythology, there was the story of Narcissus, who was in love with himself. He looked and saw the image of himself in the water, and because of his infatuation with self, his life ended. And so we have the term that's used today that speaks of those that are self-absorbed, being narcissistic, falling in love with self and with the ideas of self, and raising self up. So many live with this attitude. In Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 30, we read this parable, And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and passed by on the other side." Here were two supposed very religious people, the priest and the Levite. They were lifted up as being very righteous, When they came to see a situation where a person needed help, what did they do? The Bible says they looked and then they passed on by. They came there by chance. So that means they didn't plan on this happening. Of course, we wouldn't in a situation like this. But they were so busy going about what they needed to do in their life that they were incapable of seeing the need of someone else. I believe that this is an example of being self-absorbed. It was the Samaritan that they looked down on when they compared themselves to those Samaritans. They looked down very much on that group of people, and yet it was the Samaritan that came to this scene and was compassionate, and he took care of the needs of this person. What happens when we develop a false grandiose image of ourselves when we're self-absorbed when it's all about us when we're a me person these distortions of the view of ourself will cause us to do things that are totally irrational when compared to what god has commanded us to do this type of self-centeredness is destructive What happens in the body of Christ when these distortions are in the lives of the members of the body? This results in a harmful attitude. It works against unity. It works against cooperation within the body of Christ. We read in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, lest eat... Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Do you remember the comment that Paul made in Ephesians 5 verse 29? He said, Never yet hath any man hated his own flesh. Do you remember Christ's remark about we need to love our neighbor as we love ourselves? The problem is not looking at ourself in a way that is too low, unless it's the exception. The common problem is we are self-centered, and we have to work and be disciplined to look beyond ourselves to see the needs of those that are around us, to emphasize our love for God with heart, soul, body, and mind as our primary priority in life, and then to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Why are all these commandments there? Because if we follow our tendency and the tendencies of the flesh, we're going to be self-absorbed. And to what degree we allow that to happen is based on how disciplined we can be, how much we can work against that attitude and that mindset to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Our environment today with social media is about, let's put some image out on Facebook that's not even reality. Let's make it look better than it really is. Let's look for validation in a self-image that's based on that rather than reality. That's not the only thing that causes these issues, but it's something that amplifies that, and it amplifies our temptation to be involved in these type of activities we need to minimize self we need to raise others up and we need to honor God and glorify him as the primary one that we are serving rather than self sensitivity jealousy resentment self-pity all of these things have a root in being preoccupied with self having the wrong attitude or perspective about self. Can we look at ourselves honestly, without hypocrisy, and apply the same standard to ourselves as we apply to other people? You know, that's what Christ was addressing in Matthew 7, the first few verses. He said, Judge not that you be not judged. And He was talking about people who are so tunnel-visioned that they look past the beam that's in their eye and they see the moat that's in someone else's eye. Past a huge problem to see a very minor problem with someone else. That's because our tendencies are to be self-absorbed and self-centered, and we have to fight against those. And we have to be self-aware to place the same standard on ourselves that we seek to place on others. This is the goal that we should have as we seek to follow after God. So we're going to notice now some things that will help us have the proper perspective on self. First of all, we need to look at self-denial. As we stated earlier, to be a disciple, we must be disciplined, and we must implement the opposite of indulgence, the opposite of being a spoiled brat. We have to deny self and take up the cross and follow Christ. This is Luke's rendition of what we read earlier in Matthew chapter 16. I like this version because he put the word daily. Take up the cross or deny self, take up the cross daily and follow Him. This battle that we're discussing about dealing with ourself in the proper way, it's a daily battle we have to get up every morning and put ourselves in the proper perspective so that we can follow through that day, denying self, taking up the cross, and following after Christ. Can we come to Jesus and hold part, hold back part of ourselves? Can we do that and have true religion, or will it be a form of godliness? If we come to Him and we hold back, part of ourselves. I want to share with you this morning that I feel that this is probably the one major reason that causes us not to be able to live a successful Christian life. is because we don't want to come and give everything to Christ, actually denying ourselves, looking at ourselves in a proper way, and following after Him. We read now from 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 3. There's a voice out here that says, just come to Christ as you are. You don't have to change. You don't have to be a different person. Just come and you'll be embraced and God will love you. And you know what? God wants you to be happy. So come as you are. And that reminds me of these words, for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. That's the voice of Satan. We do not read that in God's Word. What we read is we have to change ourselves. We have to deny ourselves and repent and turn and follow after God. This is the message of Scripture. And we need to embrace this message of self denial. We need to have self control. This is the term temperance that we read about in Scripture. Proverbs 16, verse 32, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. We think about great warriors of the past that have led armies to defeat great cities, and we think and look at that in admiration. But Solomon said, If we can control ourselves, if we can use temperance, then we are mightier than one that would take a city. This is a powerful statement. The hardest thing that we can do sometimes is turn and walk away from conflict. The hardest thing we can do sometimes is turn away from a temptation and turn and follow Christ, taking the alternate course that God has promised that He will put before us. Notice what Peter said, 2 Peter 1, 5-7. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. We talked about 20 characteristics listed in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Other places in the Bible, we have lists of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 is one of those. We have the list given here of these positive attributes that we need in our life. Rather than that negative lovers of self, what does Peter say? We need to engage in these characteristics, and one of these is temperance. We need to exercise self-control in all that we do. What about sex, self-sacrifice? I know of no other more important part of our relationship with God and our fellow man. This issue is very close to the concept of self denial and self control, but it even comes to the point that we're willing to be sacrificial in our service of God and of others. This may take the form of our time, it may take the form of our talent and our efforts. It may take the form of our resources or money because we are putting God first. We are minimizing self. And so we are going to make decisions that to the common man who's only living for themself is going to think of as being very strange or very odd. In Romans 12 verses 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is the concept stated so eloquently here by Paul to these Christians, he was giving them admonition that they were to be a living sacrifice. Their lives totally dedicated to God, themselves and their own will, and their own righteousness, put in the proper place to lift up God, to lift His Son up, to follow God regardless, to be that living sacrifice, not to be transformed to the world or conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. I believe that this verse is essential. I believe it's core. I believe our discussion this morning is foundational. And I believe that we need to meditate and do our very best to be objective when we look at ourselves. When we're able to do that, then we certainly can be useful to God in His kingdom. Self-righteousness, self-willed, self-centeredness, very negative and harmful and ob- forms obstacles in our discipleship. Self-denial, self-control, and self-sacrifice essential to us having godliness, not just a form of that godliness. We have a song in our book, None of Self and All of Thee. And I want to share these words with you this morning as we conclude our thoughts for the day. And I believe this describes the journey that we should want to take as we embrace God, as we embrace the things that we must do, as we embrace our perspective towards self. And here's the words of the song. The first verse, Oh, the bitter pain and sorrow that a time could ever be, when I proudly said to Jesus, All of self and none of thee. All of self and none of thee. All of self and none of thee. When I proudly said to Jesus, All of self and none of thee. Verse 2, Yet he found me. I beheld him bleeding on the accursed tree. And my wistful heart said faintly, Some of self and some of thee some of self and some of thee, some of self and some of thee, in my wistful heart said faintly, some of self and some of thee. Day by day, His tender mercy, healing, helping, full and free, brought me lower while I whispered, less of self and more of thee. Less of self and more of thee, less of self and more of thee. Brought me lower while I whispered, less of self and and more of Thee. We see the transformation taking place. Why? Because we see the sacrifice of Christ, and we respond to that in love. And here's our ultimate goal. Higher than the highest heaven, deeper than the deepest sea, Lord, Thy love at last has conquered none of self and all of Thee. None of self and all of Thee, none of self and all of Thee, thee. Lord, thy love at last has conquered none of self in all of thee. This morning, as you look inwardly at your relationship with God, where does it stand? Are you a child of God? Have you denied yourself and been obedient to the gospel of Jesus Christ? If not, you need to start that pathway today, because it is the pathway to contentment, to fulfillment, and the pathway to an eternal home in heaven. We would encourage you to step out this morning to make that decision and come and take up the cross of Christ and follow Him. If you're here this morning and you and weakness have turned away from your Savior and it's been about you rather than about God, if we can pray for you and help you to make a transition back to the right perspective towards self, we would encourage you to start today to do the right thing. These things are God's Word, and they will bring us God's blessings. If we can help anyone here this morning, please step out and come forward and be seated on the front as we sing the song of in